The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily Bloomberg iHeart podcast. It's Tuesday, November 15th, and I'm Vladana Hyrick, in today for Stacey Marie Ishmael. Listeners of this show who follow the news know that the crypto industry erupted into chaos in recent days when there was a run on the crypto exchange FTX, which froze withdrawals and in a matter of hours declared bankruptcy. If you are just joining us, turn up the volume for this. Cryptocurrency exchange FTX filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy following several days of enormous Turmoil. The latest reporting from Reuters says SBF is seeking a $9.4 billion package for an FTX bailout. It started way back when, last week, when a tweet from Binance CEO Chang Peng Zhao said that his crypto exchange planned to sell FTX's native token, FTT, due to risk management issues. That ended up driving the token's price down by some 90%. And soon after, FTX's CEO Sam Bankman-Fried started shopping around for a bailout and halted withdrawals on his platform. We also, just 36 hours later, got news that FTX ended up filing for bankruptcy and that SBF was resigning. Here with us today to go over everything that happened is Bloomberg reporter Katie Greifeld. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. So, Katie, obviously, this has been incredibly hard on so many people. So we have institutions that have been involved with this that are hurting. We also have a ton of retail investors who are who have lost a a lot of money. So maybe just to start, tell us what the hell happened. You know, it's a great question, but I think you make a great point that that's what's at stake. When you think about this whole conversation is centered around customer funds what happened to the customer funds? Were they mishandled? Those are people's investments. That's people's money. So again, I think that's an important jumping off point that that's what we're really talking about at the end of the day. Just to show the seriousness of exactly exactly People are going to lose money. In terms of what the hell happened, I think we're still piecing that together. But it seemed like it started as a big Twitter feud, basically between CZ at Binance and SBF at FDX. And it quickly turned into, I think even people in the know would tell you that they were shocked at how quickly this moved, that they didn't even know FTX was on sale, let alone that Binance would buy it. And then almost as quickly as Binance had said that they were going to basically buy FTX to help with their liquidity issue, getting back to the customer funds, they pulled out. And then, I mean, all they of this- They reneged on the deal. Exactly. And all of this was happening in the span of a few days. And by the end of the week, FTX had filed for a Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And now it just feels like we're watching for the fallout. Where do we go from here? And even in that very quick timeline that I just laid out, there's so many 
details and happenings that uh, it just felt like a house of cards when it all came down at once, basically. And just for me, in talking to people, and for you as well, because you and I have covered FTX in the past, over the last couple of years, we've been writing quite a bit about it, and obviously about the crypto space, but this really had been the gold star within crypto, right? People thought of it as a very reputable place. And people, a lot of people thought very highly of SBF, of Sam Bankman-Fried. Mm-hmm. And so possibly that's also one of the reasons that this has just been so much more shocking for a lot of people, right? I think that's exactly right. I mean, if you think back to what happened a few months ago with Do Kwan and Terra and Luna, for example. I mean, there had been Do Kwan skeptics out there. It was still shocking, the scale and the magnitude. Uh, but you could go back in the timeline, go back to Twitter and find people sort of ringing the alarm bells for months as to this looks unsustainable. FTX, totally different situation. Like you said, SBF was really, really trusted. I mean, the man was testifying in front of Congress. Right. On uh, the cover of magazines. Exactly, on the cover of magazines. And I think that's the common denominator now when I talk to people. It's 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 shock, but it's also it feels like people are just stunned. And it feels like the magnitude of, you know, how far FTX's reach is much larger. It feels like everyone had exposure to FTX somehow or to Alameda somehow. Because again, we're talking about an entire empire here that SPF was running. A huge empire. We know that the FTX was not only one of the biggest crypto exchanges, it was also seeking to bail out other struggling crypto firms across the industry while Sam Bankman-Fried was actively trying to change policies in the United States. Actually, in their bankruptcy filing on Friday, something like 130 subsidiaries or companies that are tied to the FTX empire are also named in the bankruptcy filing. But Katie, we're still obviously sifting through the rubble. We might be for years to come, depending on what happens in terms of the bankruptcy and, and what regulators do. But Bloomberg did report over the weekend about just what a mess the books actually were at FTX. Maybe you can talk about that. Yeah, you read this story and you I don't know, kind of get a clearer picture of why Binance pulled out because uh, a look at a breakdown of the balance sheet, again, the day before that they that FTX ultimately filed for bankruptcy, had $9 billion in liabilities, $900 million in liquid assets. So that's, that's a good. pretty big mismatch. Uh, $5.5 billion in, quote, less liquid assets and $3.2 billion in illiquid assets. This is, of course, according to sources familiar with the matter. Um, The FT has been all over this story, too, and they broke the news that the largest asset was $2.2 billion worth of a cryptocurrency called Serum. Vildana, I had never heard of Serum before I read that story. I had, but only because I use so many face serums. So the name had really like caught my eye. That is so funny. I had not. uh, My skin. I use like 30 face serums. (laughs) Yeah, my skincare routine is not as rigorous. So this was total news to me. But what I just I mean, what do you even say? It's shocking. Well, speechless, which is bad for a podcast. Bad We're for a supposed podcast. To be talking. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to make for a really, really interesting court case, I think. Yes. Bankruptcy court case. But just to go back to your point about what happened over the summer with the Terra Luna implosion, just to catch up listeners, that was a stablecoin, an algorithmic stablecoin that lost its peg, basically, and mm-hmm. wiped out, I think it was something like $60 billion in value. And I know for me, 
having covered crypto for almost five years now, every time something does implode or something negative happens, when I talk to people, what they tend to tell me is, well, you know, whether it's some sort of some form of regulation, what they tell me is the regulation's good, we need regulation or some price crash. They say, it's fine, we're taking some froth out of the market. Or, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. There's always some sort of positive spin where you can argue, well, it's taking out weaker players, etc., etc. This time around, mm-hmm. I feel like the commentary, at least from people I talk to, has been much more serious, almost like gravely serious, where people are telling me that they're scared of everything that's going on. I don't know what conversations have been like for you or what the, maybe you can give us a sentiment check. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, it seems like the consensus is that this should accelerate. I mean, the U.S. has been all over the place on crypto regulation. It's still unclear which of the letters, meaning the CFTC, the oh, SEC, right. who actually <laughs> has any oversight over the industry. And I mean, Congress, too, has made noises about, you know, we're looking at this, we're taking this seriously. I don't know, the consensus at this point, and again, the industry, it just feels like everyone is very shell-shocked at this moment. But the consensus seems to be, surely this accelerates regulation in some way. What that looks like, I'm not sure, but remains to be seen. Well, we tend to hear the word regulation thrown out, mm-hmm. thrown around a lot. But yeah, we'll see what uh, what actually happens. Whereas we have people on one end saying maybe we'll see more regulation of these centralized exchanges. And on, on the other hand, saying, you know, it could be much more widespread than that. Joe Weisenthal actually had a great point uh, in a recent newsletter. Uh, he made the point that Crypto regulation, it's a bit of an oxymoron. We've heard that phrase before that regulation, crypto, oxymoron. But he made the point that if you think about the blockchains, they are the law. The consensus mechanism is the law of that blockchain and how the coins move around. And you compare that to actual fiat currency, they are creatures of the government, of that law. So if you regulate crypto, you have two competing laws there. So again, there's a lot of... This is a meta conversation. I know. There's a lot of philosophical (laughs) questions about, can you even regulate crypto? So just to go back to your point about the terror implosion, etc., you've actually written about this. How does this compare to past implosions? Mm -hmm. And I think actually in your story, you made some comparisons even to what happened with Enron back Mm -hmm. in 2000. Yeah, yeah. No, it... It's important context to put this in past blowups that we've seen over the past few decades. I mean, a a lot of people have compared this to a Lehman moment. I think it was Larry Summers, the former Treasury secretary, who said, no, this is more like Enron. But if you again, if you look at all these big scandals, they have the same basic ingredients. You have a lot of easy money coming from the governments, from the central banks. You have really hyped innovation. uh, And you tend to have some central characters. And that's what's going on here. And it's just not to blame everything on the Federal Reserve, which is really easy to do. But think about how aggressively the cycle has changed since this time last year. I mean, the Fed is on its biggest rate hiking, most aggressive rate hiking cycle that we've seen in decades. There's a lot of liquidity coming out of the system I mean, lines go up in a bull market. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of my favorite lines in that story was that a bull market basically covers a lot of sins. And now you're seeing the flip side of that. The cycle is turning and the bad actors are 
getting exposed, bad actors being used very broadly here. Obviously, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of investigations going on, which will hopefully bear fruit. But the point being that once you do have this shift in the macroeconomic backdrop, the lines stop going up and it gets a lot harder. Yeah. So should we be blaming the Fed or are crypto (laughs) people blaming the Fed? I think crypto people don't really know who to blame at this point. I mean, again, to compare it to what we saw with Terra, you had a lot of, you know, people feeling vindicated saying like, I called this, you know, like the red flags were there. You just weren't looking closely enough. Feels like what's happening with FTX. It's just a very existential moment for the entire crypto industry. Because again, you think about SBF's reach, the reach of the FTX empire, it had its tentacles in virtually every corner of the market. Coming up, more with Katie and me on the future of digital assets after one of the toughest weeks in crypto. We'll be right back. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, even if you didn't know what FTX was, you likely saw yeah. their logo or their branding because they what they did over the last two years during the pandemic is they did a huge sports push, right? Larry David was in their Super Larry Bowl Larry David ad. was in their Super Bowl ad. So was Tom Brady. And so was Giselle, his, his now ex-wife. Can I talk to you about something? Yeah, we talked about it. I got another 10 years left, maybe 15 Not bad. This is big. You know, so they had celebrities going out during their advertising. They had their name on some on a sports arena. I believe the one where the Miami Heat plays. Mm -hmm. They also had branding on umpire Mm -hmm. jerseys. I know. It was everywhere. It was everywhere. So for, for the average person, it's very likely that they were at least aware of the company, if not. Yeah. Had money. And that was all by design. I mean, that was FTX wanting to be the face of crypto. Mm -hmm. And it worked. I mean, I don't know what your uh, personal conversations or your weekend looked like. This was all I talked about against my will. I would actually like to (laughs) take a break. break. (laughs) But it's all anyone wants to talk about. It is. It's shocking. It's It's mainstream. shocking. Shocking. One one reason it's been so shocking is because crypto prices have sold off precipitously in the wake of this, right? So maybe we can we, we can talk and yeah. uh, about this a bit more and how it's also impacting retail investors who might not have had money on FTX, but they've they own cryptocurrencies in some other way. And what we saw is the FTT token, which is the utility token from FTX, dropped something like ninety percent. Then you had this huge sell off in Bitcoin and Ether, and then some of the sort of like FTX adjacent tokens like Solana, yeah. the Solana token, really it's selling off precipitously. Yeah. I don't know. I want to turn this question to you, actually. Bitcoin obviously has sold off a bunch. It's down well over 60% in 2022. Just a tremendous drawdown. And again, you think about all the retail players who were piling in this time last year. It's a very painful story. But at the same time, I'm kind of surprised that Bitcoin isn't even lower. 
Yeah. Like, I made this point in this little email distribution list I sent out on which you Which you refuse to add me to, by the way. <laughs> it's Just very, so listeners are aware. I've never seen this distribution letter. It's very But I made the point that if you had told me that FTX would file for bankruptcy, I would not have believed you. Like, if you had told me a week or two ago that it would come in the next five days, I would be like, okay, cool dream. And then if you had told me that Bitcoin would still be above $10,000 after that happened, I'd right. be like, no way on earth. This is a systemic player. So Bitcoin has dropped a lot and it's dropped a lot, a lot of this news, but not as much as maybe I would have expected. Maybe I'm naive there, but it seems like there is some resilience to talk there about. There is some, yeah. So it's scary for people who are in the market who are very closely paying attention to the market and to the charts to see it drop below certain key levels like the low reached earlier this year, which we broke through. And then even the round numbers like 17,000 per coin, we broke through that. Then at one point we broke through 16,000. So the sell-off has been, you know, it, it was over 23 percent mm-hmm. at, at one point during last week when everything was unfolding and happening. But we've had huge sell-offs in some other ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, just huge, you know, more more than 50%, more than 60% in some of these alternative or altcoins. So I think a lot of the selling also was happening yeah. there. And I think it, it makes the point that Bitcoin and the Bitcoin blockchain, like they really are the OGs. You know, yes. that is the safe haven asset of the cryptocurrency world. Safe haven in quotes. Safe haven in you have quotes. To put Obviously, quotes. you've still yeah. lost a lot of money, but you've lost less money than if you were in Solana, for example, which was very, very hyped as the Ethereum killer, Ethereum being the second biggest blockchain. But again, thinking about just second the second biggest token. Exactly. Yeah. You think about the vast reach of SBF, of FTX, of Alameda. They were such huge advocates of Solana, such big backers that that token has taken the brunt of the selling here. Yeah, for sure. So maybe just to wrap things up, we can talk a little bit about some of the outstanding questions. What are people telling you they'd like to be hearing about? I've heard, it seems like everyone would like to know the fallout, like where to look for the next shoe to drop. And uh, there's a lot of potentials. I've heard to take a look at the lenders, for example, because again, Alameda, SBF's trading arm, was a big borrower so I think that will be important. BlockFi, for example, has, you know, halted withdrawals, I believe. Yep. Uh, there's a few other lenders out there. And the lending, the crypto lending space was already shaky after yep. what happened with Terra. And then Over the, the summer, right. Three hours capital. So there's that. I mean, it's been interesting. We heard from Galaxy, for example. They had exposure in the tens of millions. I think that is going to be sort of the drip feed of information to watch is... Who else is affected? Exactly. How 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 widespread is the fallout? Right. But again, I've been asking people exactly that question. What is the next shoe to drop? And it's a long list. I'm sure by the time this podcast runs, we'll actually have like <laughs> so much more information. I pray. Because <laughs> the news, the, the headlines, they've just been coming out incessantly. It's basically. like a five or ten year cycle compressed into, into three five days. days. Yeah. Well, Katie... It's been a joy, as always, to talk to you. So thank you so much for for letting me chat with you today. Let's do it again soon. I hope we can do it tomorrow again. Beautiful. You can find more of our reporting on the Bloomberg Terminal and on Bloomberg.com. And for more, be sure to check out our twice-weekly newsletter, Bloomberg Crypto.
This is Bloomberg Crypto, a daily podcast from Bloomberg and iHeartRadio. For more shows from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments, questions, or suggestions for the show to crypto at Bloomberg.net. The supervising producer of Bloomberg Crypto is Vicky Vergolina. Our senior producer is Janet Babin. Our producers are Mohamed Farouk and Sharon Bariro. Our associate producers are Ty Butler and Moses Undam. Desta Wonderad is our engineer. Original music by Leo Sidron. I'm Stacey Marie Ishmael. We'll be back tomorrow. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.